April 12, 2018. Welcome to Postmarktum 5. I'm Scott Southerd. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend. WrestleMania is in the books. Wow. It is. <laughs> sure is. We are home safe. And uh, we saw we saw quite an event, my friend. We were there. First of all, to start off, it was a very very fun WrestleMania. The entire the stage setup was fantastic. The Superdome was super, and, and a dome, and it was doming. And we had great great one hundred level seats. We were at about seven o'clock from the entrance ramp. Uh, just all the glitz and a lot more fun this year compared to last because it was just such a well-paced show. I, I 100% agree. I think it was laid out so well. Uh, it was big and it was long, but they, they were smart about the way they put everything together. Uh, one after another, each match made sense in terms of either cooling thing do- things down or heating things back up. I mean, especially the first half of it too. You just they they did such a great job, and I thought you know they put some some matches in in the perfect spots that they needed them to. And I guess that there was a a real just fire to the night. There was a real excitement about all of it. Um, and I I was feeling particularly good about the main event. Just because of how well everything seemed to be going, it seemed to be running so smoothly, and the response to Ronda Rousey, to me, was a real moment of, I think I said to all of you guys, like, you guys, this is a good moment to point out the bubble that we live in, where we were actually worried about Ronda Rousey (laughs) getting booed here because she wasn't that great on Raw. Yeah, I I felt very similarly going in, that this was maybe going to be a very iffy crowd that we uh, there were a lot of things that were easily criticizable going in uh but the crowd was positive throughout the show uh until obviously the main event happened and so you know we get to the main event and it's brock lesnar versus roman reigns it's the match that you know if you if you consume any sort of media outside of wwe that concerns itself with wwe this is the match that they've been talking about doing for the year the entire year building to this and we talked a lot about it last week and we talked about the fact that you know we were a little bit nervous about what was going to happen i can be 100% truthful here and say that I did not think that it was going to be as bad as it was. Right. The 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 crowd crowd reaction. reaction, The way this match was received was uh, definitely shocking. In retrospect, when we were walking down Frenchman Street afterwards, we met up with some friends, and one of them said, uh, what did you expect us to do? Right. And... I hadn't even thought about that going in. I was so hyped for that match. Totally. I thought it was going to be just, you know, two forces colliding. You know, I definitely had my, uh, I, I was rooting for one person over the other, but you know, it was a big, it had a big fight feel. Uh, I was expecting booze. I was expecting cheers, but I was not expecting the uh, calamity. Right. It, and it totally caught me off guard. And I guess I thought, I, I point out, you know, the Rousey match just because I have been feeling over the past 
you know, six months or so, something similar to what has happened on such a grand scale with John Cena over the past few years where it's like, okay, we don't like Roman, you know, we hate him, we boo him. Uh, and, and I've been, a you know, partaker of that since Royal Rumble 2015 when I was there and it was genuine and I was very, very mad at that moment. But over the past six months, it's kind of, you know, worked itself into this position for me where I'm just like, you know what? He's great in the ring. And even thinking about it in terms of like why people hate him, he's such a good heel. Like this is going to be, actually, it's going to be really good. It's going to be a good move for them to make to put the belt on Roman, which let's point that out. The fact that they didn't, they didn't do it. They straight up didn't do it. And I feel like that's where so much of this shit comes from is the fact that everybody in that crowd is like, we know that the belt's going on a Roman and we hate it. And we're going to let you know right now that we fucking don't like this. And then after all this, after all the fucking beach balls and, you know, screaming, this is awful. And then cheering when the guy gets his face busted open hard way. The thing that they're mad about doesn't actually happen. And this is the thing that I, I think this is the ultimate culmination of what uh, you had brought up previously, a couple a couple weeks back, that Roman Reigns, when he's used exactly in this manner, when he's used in the inevitable winner uh, position, he can do some powerful shit. And I think this is the absolute culmination. This is like the end all of using Roman as the inevitable winner, putting him in a spot where... He's going. He's clearly going to win this match. No one in that arena thought Brock had a chance, and you know, except for me when I said he did last week on the podcast. But I mean, I obviously I was, <laughs> I was there. I was there for Brock the whole time. Who can beat Brock? Not Roman Reigns. But but no, putting Roman in the spot of the inevitable, the inevitable victor, and then positioning Brock Lesnar next to him as. Uh, as they have been, as, you know, there's been rumblings of Brock being, like, you know, a part-timer and he doesn't love the business and whatever. That's always been kind of his uh, his shtick and the gripes against him from, like, the internet wrestling fans. But then, you know, outwardly acknowledging that and positioning that as a way to make him a heel turns this into a match that just, like, of course we're, we're booing Roman because Roman... We're going to boo he's Roman. Gonna win. There's no way around. You told it. us he's going to win already. We already know he's going to win the match, uh-huh. and now we're hit. we have to boo Brock because you're confirming all the things we've been suspicious and complaining about in the past. Right, and I think you know going going back to the point of like you know well what did you expect us to do? I mean that's what it is. They did a really really bad job of positioning this in a way where people are going to be engaged with this with the characters in this story for that reason in particular. It's like, okay, well, you've decided that you're going to present Roman Reigns in the same way that you've been doing this entire time and now Brock's the heel. And I guess it's it's interesting to me because they do, you know, play off of the fact that the crowd is going to revolt against Roman being booked to go over. And it's like, the moment he starts kicking out of F5s, everyone's like, okay, you know, what's what's he going to do? He's going he's gonna to kick out a four, and then he's going to win. He's going to kick out of more than The Undertaker, and then he's going to win. Like, you know, it's so plain to everybody. But they they don't use that to their advantage they just play into it and and they 
it's just it's so weird because it's like you know the term that i used last week was tone deaf and this felt very tone deaf but it also knew that roman was gonna get booed at the same time it's just so weird and confusing it's bit they're clearly very self-aware right they're not gonna close that show with roman and the belt you know roman standing tall as the victor because they know they're gonna get that shower of booze right but on this on the same hand you're right i I mean it was very clear that they were very smartly using that same inevitable victor roman booking uh in the royal rumble when you know here he comes again roman's gonna win that rumble again but in that situation you have a uh a easy person to cheer for like a last hope that's against roman there where you know the odds are enormously stacked against him you don't actually think that nakamura's got a chance of winning that rumble but at least you can hope and cheer for that right the way they position brock now has been you don't have someone to cheer for at that point and it, it, i don't know what they were i don't i it's, don't it's super confusing because like i mean aside from you are you are the biggest brock lesnar mark that i know and i've been happy to to feed off of that too i get really excited for brock fights and i was excited for this one too because i i love the ma- the match that they had a few years ago i thought that this was you know if there was anyone that's going to properly clash with roman Re- or with brock lesnar it's roman and it's because of the way that they fight and so i was going into that match thinking like you know what they're going to get in the ring and everybody's going to be like you know what this is sick and it didn't happen and it was you know i uh, in that moment, watching that match, I was really mad. I was really mad that nobody gave that match a chance. I haven't watched it back, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm still a little mad about it. I'm still a little bit mad that like the main event, for me, kind of got ruined by a crowd that I thought was way more interested in putting themselves over. Um yeah, and yeah, I think it's worth noting that you know we were talking about the inevitability of that crowd revolt. I think it's crappy the way they reacted to. I we, I think it's important to point out that neither of us were involved in the beach ball chance. Right. Uh, it's just like man, of all the th- it's it's like you know the the first time that there was a great raw after mania. And they started doing like the JBL chants and shit like that. When it happens once, it's fucking awesome. When it happens the second time, it's like, all right, this is old already. Straight up old already. And it's like, you're cheering for a beach ball. Like, that's just, and then they were trying to start the wave. And it's like, I, what are you going to say? Like, what are you going to say to that? Like, oh, we went to WrestleMania, but we decided to do the wave during the main event okay cool you did it but i I think that there is something there that this is one of my favorite brock lesnar matches i think i i think it all comes down to the fact that the reason i like brock lesnar more than i like any other wrestler is because of he brings this sense of um i I never know what's going to happen in a lesnar match you don't know how it's going to go it starts with the undertaker right and Right. He just busted expectations open. It it leads into, you know, him destroying Cena and just completely squashing him. You never really know 
how he's supposed to be booked. Jericho has a similar thing going on now where he's kind of like showing up places and tricking the audience and shocking people. But Brock has this aura of just like very serious like what the fuck is gonna happen well it's big fight right it's It's a big fight feel right it's like stuff like conor mcgregor and floyd mayweather and like those actual big names in real fighting i think the fact that the crowd revolted in such a way and then their expectations were completely bucked made this thing like the most bonkers main event it's so insane and i think too that like what ends up happening with this too is that People have been getting a little fed up with Brock for a while, but he's never on TV. So there's no moment that people have to like really shit on Brock and really like let it be known that, you know, maybe this isn't working out so well for everybody. So it's almost like there's six months of just collective internet build of like, we're fucking tired of Brock Lesnar. It's fucked up and stupid. There's that's that's insane to me that anybody could be tired of Brock Lesnar because the moment I see him get in the ring I'm like oh my god shit is going to happen and I am really excited to like watch this match again because I know that he's probably sitting in that ring like feeling it all and being like what the fuck is going on here he doesn't know he doesn't care and it's I guess that's like you know that part of it kind of gets caught up in the like Actually, Brock's the bad guy here, and everyone was like, "Yeah, we we know that. We already know that he's a bad guy too." I think that like moving away from it a little bit. I guess I'm just wondering, how do you book Roman Reigns at this point? You know, to to couple on to how I feel about Brock Lesnar and and him as such a spectacle. I think Roman's going to turn into something like that. He. I, He's been booked in this way for so long, in this, like, force-fed way, this, like, very uh, round peg in a square hole way for a very long time. And there's no signs of that changing, right? Like, that's what the booking of this match was. Right. And now that's, this like, this secondary booking of, like, well, we'll just give him the belt next month or whatever at yeah. the, the Great American Rumble or the, uh-huh. great, the World's Greatest Rumble in Saudi Arabia. The world's Strongest <laughs> Rumble. Uh, Mark Henry. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he... I don't know what that means. Because it seems inevitable that he wins that match and he wins the belt there. Uh, which, who knows, right? I mean... Well, I I think that, like, one of the things that I felt going into the main event was that it was good to have Roman as a champion coming out of WrestleMania because Roman does a much better job keeping uh the guys like finn balor and seth rollins at bay while he holds the belt like you want to build because there's honestly there's a pool of eight people right now who are reaching for it who could be the next guy having them go over roman reigns to me makes more sense than it does anybody else and I I mean there's just like so much that's left to be determined I guess when you when you look at it because it's like the fact that it's always you know it's always the same way with him it's always that he's he's the underdog I want him to be on top I want I wanted him to win that belt because the it's my yard now 
promo from the Raw after Mania last year was amazing. And I have been looking for that dimension in his character since then. And him having the belt is, that's how you make him viable. That's how you make him, you really take advantage of the fact that he's a heel by having him hold that belt and having him be Vince's guy with that belt. Whether or not they want to acknowledge that part of it in the storyline, but having him up there saying, it's mine, is you know, that's as good of a story to overcome as there is. That's the ultimate culmination of this whole story, right? The reason we're booing Roman Reigns right now is because he's being booked as an underdog when we know he's already the champ. And once he gets that belt, things fall into place and they make a lot more sense. I don't ever want to win the belt because I'm booing him now, uh-huh. you know, but <laughs> it all makes sense when he does win that belt. And then all of a sudden we can cheer for guys like Finn Balor and we can cheer for guys like you know, Seth Rollins or Samoa Joe or whoever whoever shows up to fight him, it's all going to start making sense. And all of those feuds are very straightforward. They, they've got a little extra flavor because of the aura that comes around Roman, this, this booing the face thing that's happening. But it's it's we've seen it before with Cena. It's not anything new. Right. Uh, it's, it's straightforward wrestling in a way that's probably going to be pretty fun. And it's, yeah, and and I... I'm excited for that day, but it's it's also, you know, it's really clear just being in that audience, and this is something that it took me a little bit of time to kind of come full circle on with it, is that you can't go and convince every person in the audience that that Roman Reigns is somebody that we should actually start, like, respecting, at least enough to, like, let him have the match. Like, you want to boo him, that's great. I'm not, I would never advocate like for you know going against the the script in terms of like who you boo and cheer but you know the match didn't happen and that's a lot of people's faults um it's definitely not my fault and i'm going to i'm going <laughs> to sit on top of that for a long time but all things considered it was a very very wild thing to be a part of it was weird and intense I don't know. I, I mean, these are the moments that I think make wrestling interesting, that continue to make it interesting. Yeah. I think we all think we can book the territory and we can, you know, or we, or we like start claiming favorite matches and, and we can analyze this or that about why and how these stories are working in very intricate ways. But in the end, like the stuff that shows up that is just doesn't make sense or doesn't have a very clear narrative and doesn't follow traditional wrestling rules that's the shit i love dude it's it's so wild it's so crazy to consider and to to think that like you know you are absolutely it's it's all under the control of the audience that's something to like never take for granted it was interesting spending time with pat creed because pat creed thinks that wrestling fans are entitled and I'm on the other side of that conversation with him, and I'm just thinking, like, they should be, though. You know? Sure. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting to get the, the spectrum of reactions of our group that went there, because it, it definitely spanned from being, like, very unhappy with yeah. the way the fans were reacting to, I think, like, I was on on the other end of just being like, this is crazy how the fan this is the wildest thing this is like a very serious mirror of what it's like to walk down bourbon street at two in the morning like (laughs) i don't know if i like this or if i hate it or what the fuck is happening but it's wild it's so crazy um 
I mean, we did walk down Bourbon Street at two in the morning with those flashing skull cups, and that was wild. And it was crazy to run into my pal Tyler Breeze on the corner, you know, when I was carrying those pizzas. Oh yeah. And and there he was, just uh, happy to spend time with his friend Tim and take twenty six pictures. Took a lot of pics with you. Yeah, we took a lot of pics together. Um, not as many as y'all did on Thursday night when you were at the fucking Hyatt hanging out with the talent. Somehow we stumbled into the Hyatt, hung out with everybody. Uh, I couldn't handle it. I definitely tried my best to just not fall over the whole time. Well, I guess it's like now that we're, now that we're alone, Hey, um, you know, I was I was in bed that night. I had a, a bladder infection or or you know clogged uh, something going on. Clogged BH. Dude, I I I've never been constipated in my life, <laughs> but also my abdomen still hurts. So I should probably go to the doctor. You should go to the doctor. Um, that was one of the one of the times in my life where y'all came back. And and Marla's got pictures with Titus O'Neil and Mean Gene Okerlund and Zack Ryder, you know. Pat sang smooth in front of Lana and Paige, and I think they liked it. And 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 that was a that was a real moment for me of just being like, man, I feel like I miss out on all of the great things that happen. I'm sorry. Well, you didn't have it. You you didn't have that great of a time at the Hyatt. Like, oh, it was the best. It was oh, awesome. Fuck off, it was man. so fucking cool, dude. God. I just couldn't. I mean, I would. I would definitely would not have traded that at all. Yeah. I just. Uh, it was late at night. We'd been going at it a little, and my uh-huh. brain was just not at a spot where I could try and interact in any way. So were you just like watching it all kind of transpire? Just yeah. watching Marla fucking own the room. Definitely. Uh-huh. Uh, Jesse told Goldust that. Uh, we named our cat after him, which was a, cra- a pretty great moment. Yeah. And you're just like, eh. Just kind of standing there trying my best. I ordered a whiskey Coke. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't drink whiskey Cokes. Yeah, I don't know don't why I did that. Cokes. What are you doing? I don't know, man. Oh, man. It was weird. So, you know, I think that one of the... It's kind of one of the themes of WrestleMania, though, was that there were... I think a fair amount of matches where we knew what the outcome was going to be, and it turns out we were wrong. And that is in the Lesnar Reigns match. That's also in the Charlotte Oscar match, and that's also in the AJ Styles and Nakamura match. Those, All those big matches. Yeah. The Charlotte Oscar match, like, pure wrestling. Best match of the night. 100% best match of the night. It was so goddamn good. And they did, I think that they just did a really good job of like, you know, you get into one of those situations where it's like, oh my God, these two people are going to fight. Everybody's so excited just for that. And they never really let that excitement go away. It felt like the entire match was just a straight incline. That Spanish fly from the top rope. Like, holy fuck. I mean, that was the spot of the night. Like, and I think it was also a really great showing that was uh, in contradiction to the chaos of uh, the chaos of the the Lesnar and Reigns match, and kind of the uh, perceived letdown of the Nakamura and AJ match, which we'll talk about. Uh, I think it was a great showing to see Charlotte Nasca just put on a hell of a show Dude. and just be like, "This was the match of the night, right, you guys? Right? We yeah. earned this one. We did it. We just fucking fought, and that, that's it. Like no bones about it. I think that the 
um, you know, it, it, it's, it's wild too, because I think like second spot on the card, it's like the second song on, on a record, you know, when it's like you, you, you hit it hard and on the first one, but then the second one's the one where you either, you either bring it down or you take it to the next level and they totally just, Oh my God, they put on a fucking clinic. They are the two best wrestlers in the world. And they, they showed it, and it was good. And there was so much emotion in that match, too. I can't believe Asuka tapped out. Uh, it was gnarly. Straight up. I think that that was, that was kind of a moment that sort of starts it for, for the show, where you're just like, whoa, hold up. Well, it set a pace right off the bat, right? Like you said, it's the second song on the record where, you know, you start with a banger. It's, like, super fun, whatever we're in. And then that thing just gets us pumped for the rest of the show yeah there's no i'm not ready i'm not like looking for pee breaks i'm not uh interested in getting up and you know moving my legs around i'm i'm locked in at this point and yeah seeing that initial upset i mean it does you know you can watch the rest of the matches as they play out and a lot of the people that i thought were gonna win did not win and i think that was definitely the first this i mean i guess seth winning initially was something i wasn't expecting but yeah, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't it really doesn't compare. Equate. Yeah. Um it was yeah, I guess just you know, I think everybody is assuming that it's like okay, Asuka's undefeated and now she's got like one more hill to climb and Charlotte like asserting herself really as like the dominant performer in that division. And I think that this is something that, you know, it also applies to AJ Styles. Uh, it's uh, something that I thought about a little bit removed from the event because I think that we were all sort of shocked by the fact that Asuka and Nakamura, the Royal Rumble winners, there's their new blood, they're vying for the title for the first time. We're all assuming that this is this is it, that this is where they're given the moment and then they run with it. And they were both stopped and they were both stopped by two people who have been in the company for less than five years apiece. Right. And I think going in, we thought of them as uh, kind of the old guard, right? We're thinking of them as the old guard of the company. These wrestlers that have both had the championships for an extended period of time. Right. They've been in that picture for a while. But yeah, like you said, they've only been in the company for a very short span. Uh, And so it's kind of cool to be crowning these folks as like, yes, these Charlotte and AJ are our champions. Right. They're the champions like of this era. And I think that it's, you know, it's maybe, I guess, a a really, really smart move on WWE's part to, you know, it takes a long time to build someone for a WrestleMania match, but it takes years, decades to build someone into, you know, a Hall of Fame worthy career, a legendary career. And, Part of that, part of having that, that ring, that fucking thing to pin on your chest is a WrestleMania win. And, you know, both of them defending their titles and going over at WrestleMania, that's part of the stat line that, you know, is indicative of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, th- I think about the the Mount Rushmore question quite often. Right. And uh, when talking about it, it gets to a point where, like, I don't know if there's a way for someone to enter that conversation past John Cena, just the way that the, uh, the eras of wrestling have changed and the way that the pace of wrestling moves now where people are switching in and out and the titles are moving a lot more often. 
Uh, and this is a way to really cement people and put them into conversations like that in the Hall of Fame and as the greatest of all time and right. greatest well, of an era. Well, I think that, you know, the two people who who could have moved into that category, that category of the Mount Rushmore arguments, those two people were Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. And, you know, chant as much as you want for the one guy. He's not coming back. And Bryan, we were, we were lucky to see him on Sunday. We're on borrowed time. But oh my god, we're so on borrowed time. And like I, I think that that was that was a moment where the um the length of that show really showed itself because I was out of breath during Daniel Bryan's match. I didn't chant yes at every kick because I was so fucking tired. So and I, you know, it's I know that that's uh maybe it's like complaining about having too much candy in your sack. But still, I I was just like, it was like, man, all right, I've been here for five and a half hours. I'm really glad Daniel Bryan's here, but I need to fucking sit down. And it's tough because, you know, that Daniel Bryan match, it was fun. And it's great to see Daniel Bryan back. But we know from the start that that's, uh, it's not a one-on-one match. It's not a championship match. It's not high stakes. Right. It's kind of a fun match. It's like the most important version of a, of a bathroom break match that could possibly exist. Absolutely, and Absolutely. so it's tough. It's tough to get while we're cheering for Daniel Bryan and we want to cheer those yeses. It's really tough to continue to have that energy when the stakes of the match aren't super high. Yeah, for sure. Um, we did get. Um, let, let's let's talk about the AJ and Nakamura match, though. You know, we talked about the finish, but I think that that match was. I'd, I'd really like to watch it again because, you know, going off of Daniel Bryan, that match started and I was just like, man, I've had 30 milligrams of Adderall in this arena <laughs> and I'm still like too exhausted to watch this match pace itself, watch this slow moving story happen. But, you know, I I don't think I'm out of line to say that the I mean anything is gonna be a letdown because the stakes are so high for that match. But it it didn't blow the roof off the place. It wasn't even I don't think you know, I think it was the third or fourth best match on the card, maybe. Yeah, the one thing I think similar to the main event, uh a lot of the way the ma- this match went is justified by how it ended. Uh yeah. this didn't need to be the the blow off match clearly like this didn't need to be the four finishers a piece a piece match this didn't this didn't need to be the match that we all hoped it was going to be because clearly there's going to be more of them now so you know if they had that match this time around and then you know nakamura hits aj in the nuts then what are they going to do it again right totally on a smaller stage yeah and and it's like the moment that that heel turn happens you're thankful because now they're going to fight again and they're going to fight with some stakes because like you know they they didn't really sell it was i guess it's funny to you know to consider when when nakamura won the royal rumble we were all just like it doesn't matter. It doesn't like they don't have to say they don't have to look at each other until WrestleMania and it's going to be great. But they kind of do, you know, and the fact that like Nakamura is now now working heel. That's really exciting. And the fact that like, you know, that really that match had a great finish. That spot for the finish was fantastic, but they didn't 
blow anything else and it's i feel like it's just going to be this is going to be a great series that happens over the summer and you know maybe on into the fall i think that's the key right they didn't give anything away there uh they fought a solid match that was you know kind of slow nothing crazy happened they didn't get the crowd up on their feet for really anything except for that last spot and now they've got so much room to play with they can now they can relive their new japan match the wrestle kingdom match now they can start like you know playing with the the five kinshasas and you know i think there's so much room for this to turn into something like a a huge feud that we uh, that goes down in history yeah totally this is this is like the dream match era that's like where we are is that this is <laughs> like this is the era where we have so many matchups that are just on paper are just you know so unbelievably great and i think that it's you know i tip my hat i guess the, the fact that they have decided that you know rather than have this be a one-off they're gonna really extend a feud and like make something out of it i'm looking forward to it i got really excited when fucking aj fought daniel bryan on smackdown just a free match <laughs> like are you fucking kidding me i think that that was like you know i i think it's gonna it's gonna really take a long time to like settle you know, into into reality, the fact that like Daniel Bryan is back and he's and he's wrestling, but the fact that he just is having a match with AJ Styles to close SmackDown on Tuesday night, just because is uh you know that's that's so fucking lovely. I'm oh, so goddamn a happy true delight, it. a true delight. And watching, I mean, I don't know if we're gonna have ton, a ton of time to talk about this, but watching Paige come out and you know get that vindication and get that big cheer again on SmackDown was. Was yeah. great, and then it was just made so much sweeter when she just gave the crowd exactly what they exactly wanted. Exactly what they wanted. Um, I mean, as far as Mania goes, I mean, we talked about Ronda a little bit. That match, that was the match of the night. Match of the night, hundred uh, percent. Which, but no one was expecting that, right? Which I think allowed it to become that. It gave it room to kind of play with stuff that we didn't expect to happen at all. Uh, no, I mean we we thought it was going to be a small like eight minute fun, you know, back and forth, whatever. Yeah, it's like it's like okay, <sighs> this match is going to be you know eighty percent waiting for Ronda to get in, you know, maybe a ten minute match, and so after eight minutes of of doing that, Ronda finally gets in, but then there's a full ten minutes of of shit that happens after, and that's when it got good. I know it was so good, false finishes, and like you know, it was it was a like. As well as you can put together like an intergender match, you know, where you are, you don't even think about the fact that what you really want to see isn't uh, Ronda putting Stephanie in a hold, it's her putting Triple H in a hold. Right, because, I mean, the implied kind of rankings of that match are like, obviously Triple H is the best wrestler here. Yeah. And he can definitely beat up Kurt Angle and maybe that will get balanced out by Ronda Rousey. Uh, clearly being able to beat the hell out of Stephanie. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe Ronda's as good as Triple H. Yeah. Maybe she's better than Triple H. She got her, she got her shit in. She looked amazing. Incredible. She was so, so good. And the crowd, man, the crowd was so in from the moment she came out. And, dude, when she just, like, puts on that scowl 
and when she starts oh slapping her arms and God. jumping back and forth. Oh my! I mean, God. just getting into that pure MMA mode. She was—I don't know what it was about her necessarily that made her the most electric, like groundbreaking UFC, like women's UFC star. She, but she broke that shit wide open, and that—and I don't—I still don't know what it is, but it's very clearly on display here in WWE now. All right, now that, that fire has been put out, I love you, Chloe. Um, we. We're also at NXT. We also had great NXT seats. That show, holy shit! Every match, it didn't stop. I, I, I don't. I didn't have words. That that show was just a perfect show. It really was. And then the six man ladder match. I guess that show is 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 bookended by you know the two best matches of the weekend are the start and the finish of that show. That six-man ladder match was so fucking dope. Fucking Ricochet, his first move in the WWE is doing a goddamn backflip off of the top rope onto five people. And He is something else, man. I am so excited he's in WWE, and I'm so excited that they're giving him that treatment as like a real top-shelf wrestler. I think it would have been easy to put him in a spot... Uh, like maybe Leo Rush is right now, like one of the little flippy guys that right. is really fun to watch, but you know is not on the same level. I, he is on the same level, and I think we all know that. He's just like such a pure athlete too, and I it's it, you just watch him do some of that stuff, and it's just it's so inventive. It's so like crazy you've never seen anything like this before but it's also just done with so much ease and his all of his spots in that match were just so like perfectly executed i loved the fucking the springboard that he had into adam cole's super kick the fact that he lands at like the exact like millimeter spot that he's supposed to to just take that super kick to the dome so goddamn perfect just plops down afterwards and i think people give him shit for being a a bit of a dance like a ballerina yeah. in the ring they give him shit for uh kind of like you know scripting a lot of these moves and 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 they're not looking like powerful or whatever but that example of him just getting plopped in the face like that is is him d- doing both he is a ballerina in the ring but he also can hurt people and get hurt he looks like a wrestler I, I'm so happy he's here. Do yeah, I'm so happy too, and I, th- I think that it's like you know, there's probably no better person in the world that occupies that spot. That person who goes and does like the flippy stuff, and you can shit on that as much as you want, but there's a place for that. And to have like the best person now doing it in NXT and debuting with just so much fucking ease and the like. He's magnetic too. The, the 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 ease that you have, like the 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 amount of of effort that you have to put into like root for that guy is just zero. Kids are gonna love him. I love him. I want him to be my friend. But we had so many freaking stars in that match too. Adam Cole, 
winning the belt. I feel like you know their EC three. I think was was probably my second pick for who you know would do well with that belt. Who would hold it the best? But Cole leading the fucking undisputed era. Like that guy. That guy is is a star, and that guy is made to be a star, and to have a belt for him that he can be the first person to have this belt. It's it works. It totally works with who he is. Well, I mean, remember when we were talking about how he might be the weak link in this show or the weak link in the Undisputed Era? Right. And then he does he does that super kick on uh, Ricochet and the crowd. I've never heard a crowd with a singular unanimous chant like the Adam Cole baby That chant. was fucking unreal. It was nuts. I it was the whole building just shook. Because it's like it's this is this is indie wrestling but it's happening at the Smoothie King Center, you know, it's happening at it's it's happening at the uh, the Silver Dome of uh, of basketball arenas. Um, it, it was just like such a dope thing to see of that guy like just fucking commanding it to the extent that he did. Um, there's there's a million spots in that match. I loved Killian Dane and and Lars Fredrickson and the <laughs> Bastards. Um, also, you know, I, I I love having you know the couple big guys that are in there that balance things out. Everybody in that match looked fucking tremendous. It was fun. It was you know just a roller coaster. I, I and it was it was so hard to come down from it too. Like. The not to skip ahead, but unless you have anything to add, jump in now or forever hold your peace. But the first five minutes of Shayna Baszler and Ember Moon were like they were demanding that you fucking pay attention to them right away. There were so many like fast hitting high spots in the in just in the first five minutes of that match, and it's like okay, 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 okay. I get it, you guys. I get it. I'm I'm here. I'm here. But it did it did take about like five to ten minutes to get into that match just to get out of the mindset of of the ladder match. I mean, I think NXT more than anything makes me uh I think hyperbolic about things. I and I don't know if I'm ever really wrong when I say things like that was the best NXT show ever or that ladder match was the best NXT match ever until the match later in that show. Right. I think whenever I say that I don't I'm not trying to be facetious or, or overly exaggerative. I, I really mean it and I think uh yeah, you could feel that after that match the building was lit. I know and coming it's just down like all taking a huge like deep lung breath together. We're all just like going in. Uh, now. Yeah. No, it's it's like it's honestly it's like when it's just like that that part in uh in Billy Madison when the when the two kids are sitting at the at the lunch table. I think it's it's kindergarten or second grade and the one kid's like Mortal Kombat for Sega Genesis is the best video game that's ever been made. And it's that feeling though where you're just like you're just like holy shit like all the time it's like you're seeing something with fresh eyes after every one of these NXT shows and, uh, and yeah dude I felt the same way in January where I was like that was the best NXT show that's ever happened and I've seen all the other ones I'm not like They've all been the right. best too <laughs> and uh, yeah they just continued to to expound on each other and 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 yeah I mean you could see that going like you said like you said going into that Ember Moon match uh, the Shayna Baszler match, where it took us time, even though they killed it right off the bat. It took time, which is something that NXT shows managed to do a really good job of non being a nonstop show 
and still keeping you invested in pretty much every match. Uh, but it, it makes me understand why things like uh, the Nicholas match or that very small, like short tag team match uh, right. exists in a, in a bigger, longer show where like, I if this if this NXT takeover was any longer, I would have needed a breather. I would have needed a popcorn match. Yeah, something totally. where I could just like sit and think through what the fuck just happened. Right, because yeah, it's just it's so tight, and the you know there were five matches, and honestly, I feel like even still they really had to work with the fact that's like okay, you have you have a ladder match that's happening. And you have, uh, you know, the men's title match that everybody's been looking forward to. And you have the blood feud that everybody's been looking forward to. There's two matches that are in there that you really have to, like, make people invest in. And they did a great job with that with uh, Ember Moon and Shayna Baszler. And that's not to discredit anybody, obviously. But, you know, the, the fact that that match had such an emotional arc too of you know Shane is working this arm and you're watching Ember who you know you know what's gonna happen you You know know where she's going and that's that that brings a lot of levity to these shows and you know maybe there's something to the maybe there's something to be said about the fact that everybody that's on there has a shorter shelf life and you don't have to worry about a Roman Reigns situation. But you know, you're so, I was so emotionally invested in wanting Ember to hold out during that submission hold and to just watch it just like slowly run its course and just, you know, eek into, into submission Putting the belt on somebody who's I like think the world of I think Shayna Baszler is going to do amazing things with that belt, um, and then you know you have the the uh, Dusty Rhodes tag team uh, tournament finals, which is like you know I think of all the matches there, that's the one that doesn't really have like any stakes, right. and it was fun and it was great. But the fucking Roddy heel turn, unreal. Never. I would not. Never. Not a million years. And 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 that's again like they give you. I think it's just that pacing is so smart because again, you know, you get to the end of that Ember Moon and Shayna Baszler match, and the crowd is is again going bonkers. And those last eight to ten minutes of that match were out of this world. Uh, and we needed a breather. And so that tag match is perfect for this. The first few minutes of a tag match, cool. Yeah. We can chill. This uh-huh. match doesn't really have stakes. These are all we guys were, we, we like. We were all Adam Cole getting thrown through the table, and it's just like, all right, just take a nap. Just, just <laughs> you earned this. You earned ten minutes here. <laughs> yeah, just have a have a seat, take a nap. The, I yeah, go ahead. I no, I don't know. I the, the match itself was fine. It was fun. It was exactly a you know a really solid tag team, whatever uh-huh. mix triple and match threat. triple yeah, threat. Yeah. 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 Uh, but man, that Roddy turn was so cool. So unexpected. I mean, that's the only thing that approaches a guy like Roddy is Gargano. You know, in terms of like the never turn heel good guy. That Johnny fucking Roddy Strong wrestles for his family. And and you know, I think on on some level how we were talking last week or maybe two weeks ago about how uh Undisputed Era was maybe not living up to its full potential. The issues are being addressed. They're being addressed at the show in a very direct way. Adam Cole is cementing his spot as the leader of this group, and now it's turning into a faction with another powerhouse wrestler just joining and, and making like 
they're filled out. They're a faction now and they're a force to be reckoned with. And you know what they're it's gonna take it's gonna take until next year but roddy strong and adam cole are gonna have a singles match that's gonna blow the roof off the place honestly i think the match that like i still need to go back and really sit with and not watch it within the context of the show is uh almost and our new champion, Alistair Black, just because there's just so much that happened during that evening that it's really hard to just, like, keep everything in line and, you know, remember. I just, I know it was good. I remember it being good. I remember being really, really invested. Uh, Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I can't remember much about that match. I, the emotions were so high throughout that thing that uh, I, it was it, it's tough to be bookended for a show like that to be bookended with these two very powerful things. And, you know, this championship match was great. It was really solid. These two are amazing performers. I hope they get a rematch going on yeah. for the next TakeOver. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know, I... But moving on to the main event, this fucking this goddamn wrestling match between former best friends Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano I mean I that was you know probably the match that I was looking forward to the most going into the weekend it was just so well scripted you knew that they were gonna you knew that they were gonna get time and you knew that it was gonna be you know as good as it possibly could be and it was fucking better it was better than it possibly could have been i can't believe how much emotion was expressed within that match it was so wild to you know i mean there's so there's so much to talk about with like what happened within there but i think a really good point that's worth making is that i don't think there was a fall until about 20 minutes into it. Is that true? I The first fall came after a significant amount of time. There was a two count, and then Pat Creed turned to me, and he was like, that was the first fall of this match. And I was like, oh, my God. It's kind of hard to, you know, like put into words the, the, the storytelling and the fact that there were so many good false finishes to that match that the whole thing just built upon itself so goddamn well. It was so tense, and it—I don't know. I—it I, was one of those moments where I'm just watching it, just being so thankful for wrestling. I mean, it's—it's it's, that match is just such a perfect. That's going to be the kind of match that you can show people. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a little long for that, but it's going to be the kind of match that, that I mean, it, it, it runs the spectrum of like great wrestling uh, of these like two dudes that look great in the ring. They look like wrestlers. They might, you know, Gargano's small or whatever, but they both look like friggin' wrestlers. And I just watching these old friends, Towards the end, when they're sitting down next to each other, I, I, I couldn't handle it, man. Yeah. That was so overwhelming. Yeah, and, like, I just love... I love the finish to that match just because, like, the moment he grabs the knee brace, 
Champa just taps out. It's like mm-hmm. so crazy, you know. It's like uh, it, I guess it's something that like isn't done that often anymore. Where it's just like, especially after a match that long, like usually it's drawn out, and then it's like, you know, uh, Gargano grabs this piece that he, you know didn't want to use because he had second thoughts about it and then it was immediately you know made a fool for having second thoughts and like you know having any sympathy for this guy so then when he finally grabs it and just pulls it into his face it's just like oh my like ultimate like, redemption was like tapping out because he's about to die he knows it too i mean he knows he fucked up it's like the end of a disney film it's it's so straightforward what's happening there and and uh, i don't know it just Trampa's villainous ability is perfect, and Gargano's unceasing optimism is also the perfect counterpart to that. Dude, it's really, it's like, I don't know, it reminds me of like, you know, a really just well put together, built, epic story. It's like fucking East of Eden or just something where it's just like you see all of the moving parts and they just function so perfectly well. And then, you know, when it finally like happens in the ring, it's just like this is fucking magical. This is a beautiful thing that's happening, you know, by Monday afternoon when we all decided to like get out of bed, it was just so much, so much to take in. We didn't go to Raw. I'm thankful that we didn't because we did that last year. And I feel like doing Raw after WrestleMania is something that everybody should do once. And you don't really have to do it again. Except I would have liked to be on this Raw because this Raw was fucking dope. It was great. It was so good. It was such <laughs> oh a my good, God. Such a good episode of Raw. I think that's like a great way to frame it. That, right. You know, it was a Raw after Mania for sure. But it was just good, man. Through and through. It was a good show bringing back Samoa Joe who cuts a fucking fire promo the moment Joe starts talking you're just like oh yeah I forgot I I, I missed Samoa Joe way more than I ever knew uh, the the debut of fucking Bobby Lashley of Ember Moon No Way Jose <laughs> like the whole the whole lineup is is changing we had so much crazy shit going down on smackdown to um the debut of the iconic duo oh my god i you know i kind of always gloss over them when they were on nxt but everything that they did on smackdown was perfect yeah, mean as hell and they set up things perfectly for uh carmella to do her thing for that we needed some so we needed the cash in to happen this weekend right it was right. inevitable and it's perfect. good i think Great. it's good too you know it's like it's like charlotte should go over at WrestleMania. Also, it's great to take the belt away from Charlotte. It's, I think it's, it's you know, and like Carmel's been holding that thing for so long. And I like the idea of uh, of you know Alexa losing it at uh, WrestleMania tonight. Jackson, that was a moment too. By the yeah. way, we passed over that, but I I really. Um, you know, firmly stand by my belief that Alexa Bliss is one of the greatest talents in this company. I thought she just did unbelievable shit with that belt, took it to, you know, the furthest point that she could. And like the emotional payoff of Nia Jax winning that was like totally unexpected. And without Alexa's continued long run uh, on and off with that belt, it would have meant a lot less. I think it was so cool that she took this belt. Nia took this belt off of someone that, 
has been conniving and, you know, an evil uh, champ for a long time, winning with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sneaky and maybe... Right, sneaky tactics. It's just, I think it's like, it's rare to be able to put someone who's, you know, someone that's Nia Jax's size in a position where you feel like she overcame a lot. Like, that was that was the most emotional victory, I think, of WrestleMania was that. Um, and I'm happy now to also have Carmella taking the place of what Alexa was doing with that belt is like, here's someone who looks like, you know, looks like she, she would cave in if she held the belt up over her head and she's the champion. Are you kidding me? I'm really, really excited. I wanted to hold it for a long time because I, I think that's, that's a fun story to tell. I think Carmel is great too. Yeah, I do too. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens. I, I realized this weekend that I want everyone. I, always want whoever has the belt to win the match yeah i think i realized that after watching a lot of the belt holders win the matches uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it was like oh yeah totally that should that is what should have happened um i wonder when they decided to put the belt on her because you know seeing big casts in the southwest terminal at uh at the louis armstrong airport in new orleans on tuesday afternoon i have to wonder like you know he didn't know they broke up. Oh, well, that's good. He's a fucking Trump supporter. Yeah, fuck that guy. People were taking pictures with that guy, and I was like, fuck him. But he, he had two Subway sandwiches, which I thought was pretty impressive. A double foot long? Uh, no, he had he had one that I saw him eating, and then he had one uh, that he was about to eat. I didn't see him eat it, though. I did see Christian. and What Subway sandwich did he have? He didn't have any Subway sandwiches. He had a ball cap pulled very low down, so I didn't say hello to him. Seems to be an indicator. Yeah, it's a good one. As a, aside from you know Tyler Breeze, I didn't really spend too much time with the stars uh, at WrestleMania weekend, but I did spend a lot of time with Tyler Breeze. And we great Doctor Evil. We impression. took a lot of pictures together. Yeah, great Doctor Evil impression. And uh, yeah, I mean WrestleMania weekend was such a such a fun time it's hell of a weekend it's just such a such an experience being down there and and being around so many people so glad it was in new orleans as opposed to orlando holy lord that made it so much more enjoyable oh it's just so nice to walk around see some culture walk around bourbon street walk down magazine street to my favorite coffee place french trunk coffee in new orleans shout out but uh you know, it was it was it was a good time, a good weekend. Hope that you all uh, enjoyed it and that you're all as excited as we are for you know the the coming months of just very exciting times in wrestling. We've Superstar shakeups coming up. Stu- Superstar shakeup is going to happen, and it was funny like listening to another podcast talk about like what they want to happen. I'm sitting there just being like, I have absolutely no concept of of like this is just so like big huge out of my control thing that i can't even like fantasy that's book such it. an absurd thing to even try to predict or yeah like try to maneuver those pieces like whatever they're gonna switch a few people around well i guess my question for you on the superstar shakeup is where do you think the undertaker will be drafted oh my god we didn't talk about the undertaker <laughs> we didn't talk about the undertaker not one bit that was cool though it was great yeah so it's a, it's an exciting time. It's gonna be con- it's gonna continue to be exciting until it takes that downward trend before SummerSlam. But I can't hey. wait to hate wrestling in the <laughs> middle of June. 
I can't wait to continue to do that with you every week. This is one thing that I look forward to in my life. We hope that y'all are enjoying it. Subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to it on Stitcher. We're on Stitcher. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Thanks, Bobus.
I know that girl's been true to me